0: 好 The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News.
1: And good morning, everybody. This is Ray Hanania. I am uh, here May 19th on WNZK AM 690 radio and in Detroit and WDMV AM 700 radio in Washington, D.C., Just trying to get everything all together. Uh, The technology always just comes crashing from every direction. Um, I want to make sure that we're live on Arab News. But unfortunately, I think we're live on my Facebook page at RG Hanania, facebook.com slash RG which I posted on uh, the uh, Arab News Facebook page so they can connect there. I'm not even sure why that happened. But, of course, it always happens at the last section. Today's radio show features a look at journalism in Palestine and Israel conflict and in the United States later on uh, with some uh, interesting issues in our second segment. But our first segment, I want to welcome our guest, Palestinian journalist from Ramallah, Mohammed Najib. Mohammed, welcome to the show. I see you on. How are you?
2: Hi, Irei. You're you
1: doing good. How is everything? You you had uh, texted me some information real fast there about being the first day and how many days that, uh, you know, that the media was able to come in, the foreign press.
2: Yeah. Uh, at this uh, ongoing uh, mini-war, uh, the uh, IDF didn't allow the international media, the foreign press, entry to Gaza since uh, the beginning, the starts of this uh, mini-war uh, for nine days. And today was the first day that they allowed The foreign correspondence to uh, enter a Gaza Strip to cover uh, this uh, war. More than that, uh, everyone watched and uh, followed the uh, bombing of Al Jala uh, uh, Tower in Gaza, where is the Associated Press uh, headquarters there and Al Jazeera uh, satellite TV uh, on allegations that Hamas is based at that uh, platform, uh, at that tower, but uh, all the reports from Gaza denied that so uh, yesterday night also a uh, journalist uh, uh, radio uh, uh, journalist uh, yusuf abu hussein from uh, gaza has been killed by bombing his house wow. so the journalists uh, are uh, victims of this uh, war different from the previous war more than this also the idf box person has uh, intentionally misled the foreign press by gathering them for a press briefing allowed them to photograph and uh, to film the gathering of israeli artillery and tanks and said we are going to start the uh, ground invasion of gaza the military operation the ground operation and it was just a uh, uh, mislead for them to uh, uh, allow hamas uh, fighters to go in the uh, underground tunnels to bomb them and uh, right. after that we complained at the foreign association to the idf why they uh, mislead and use that foreign media in this uh, trick And they apologize for that. So uh, this uh, war, the media is uh, seems as a victim of uh, the uh, uh, violence on both sides.
1: Yeah, we're going to focus on some of that. We're just joined by my friend Andrew Friedman. Uh, Andrew was the uh, former uh, editor at the J Post, the Jerusalem Post, and I think Yedioth Aharonoth. Ynet News. Is that correct, Andy?
3: Yeah, that's right. Can you can you hear me? I'm just not sure my microphone's.
1: Absolutely, good. get some light right. on your face though, so we. Yeah, can I see know. It. I can't.
3: I'm trying to figure it out. I'm that's, all that right.
1: room for it. that's all right. People are watching you all so, over the world right now. Yeah. So. Yep. No, I think it's the light Sorry. behind you. But I think no, no, you're good. You're I know. Good. Let me. And I. Th- okay. And we also have Tarek Ali Ahmed, uh, from the Committee to Protect Journalists, on the line. Tarek, I don't know if you're connected with us yet. Oh, uh, go, by there. audio. Yeah, that's good, Andy. That looks perfect. Tarek.
4: Uh, hi, good morning. It's Ignacio. Oh, oh, sorry,
1: Tara, and Ignacio. We have Ignacio from the Committee to Protect Journalists. I got a lot of guests on this morning, and a lot of technology. It's driving me nuts. Facebook went berserk on me this morning, and uh, it's giving me all kinds of trouble, so people are going to have to watch it on my Facebook page at RG Hanania, uh, at Facebook.com, and uh, hopefully we're getting it uh, connected to... Arab News also broadcast there so people can watch it, 5.8 million people there. But let, let's go to Ignacio first because I know his uh, uh, time is limited this morning. Ignacio Miguel Delgado is the uh, MENA representative for the Committee to Protect Journalists. Ignacio, thank you for joining us this morning.
4: Good morning, Ray, and thank you very much for, for hosting us. Uh, no,
1: I'm, I, I'm happy to do that. Give us a little sense of we wanted to focus this morning on What's happening to journalists in the conflict between Israel and Palestine? Um, How are they doing? We saw one of the buildings uh, was targeted in Gaza. I heard a second one was. Um, So the media seem to be having a rough time there. What's going on with them?
4: Yeah, the situation right now uh, for journalists in the Gaza Strip is very dire. So right now they are either covering the news and covering the airstrikes and military operations or running for cover because they have nowhere to hide. So, so far we have documented the destruction of at least 18 media outlets. Uh, there may be more, but so far, like that's what we documented. Three buildings are hosting and housing these, these media outlets, production companies, uh, broadcasters were bombed to the ground. And well, the justification for that uh, by the Israel Defense Forces was that uh, Hamas was using these buildings for military purposes, and but so far we haven't seen any evidence of that activity. And, and yeah, we would we would like to see that uh, if that if that's the case.
1: You were just saying that there's several locations. I, I only heard of two: the building, the Al Jal. Jalaa building where yeah, ap exactly. was based then there was another one i think the next day
4: uh, building like and,
1: few, but you're suggesting more than two right
4: yeah a few days before the bombing of the al-jala building there were two buildings the uh Jauhara building and the al Shuruk building who were housing several uh, local and media outlets um so al-mamlaka channel from jordan for example um others were housing um the hamas affiliated Al-Aqsa tv others yeah there were plenty of of local media outlets and the problem is that with the destruction of these buildings many journalists have lost their equipment because they were given like some time to to evacuate the building but they of course couldn't take everything with them all the broadcasting equipment cameras and such so many journalists are deprived right now of the tools to do their job properly
1: All right. And you have data. I know. And again, I know your schedule's tight. You can only do a few minutes with us. But how bad is this conflict on journalists per se? I mean, uh, we've seen I I know that the uh, Committee to Protect Journalists keeps a tabulation of uh, journalists injured, journalists killed all over the world. I know your area is the Middle East and North Africa. Um, How bad is it in the Middle East? How bad is it in this uh, region of Israel and Palestine?
4: Well, in Gaza, like, historically, like, we have seen, like, at least 18 journalists uh, have been killed since CPJ started collecting records in 1992. Uh, This conflict, like, we uh, woke up today to the the news of the killing of one of the journalists, but we had uh, another, at least another three journalists uh, who were injured (coughs) while covering the airstrikes in, in Gaza. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, the region—the region in itself—it's one of the most dangerous regions for for journalists. Actually, like we we have like the ongoing conflict in Syria. Uh, we have seen like historically in Iraq, many deaths of journalists. So uh, we can we can say like
1: this is. And yeah. and, and does the CPJ, the Committee to Pre- Protect Journalists, protest to the governments when? And the uh, militants or the organizations involved when uh, these reports come in. Um, uh, yes,
4: yeah, sorry, Ray, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, in addition to documenting and tabulating everything, um, I assume you bring, you know, you protest officially to them.
4: We do. Like we usually reach out, like to the involved parties for comments, uh, at least to know like the reasons for for their actions. But what? Most of the time, like most of our calls go unheard uh, because what we call is for journalists to be able to do their job freely and safely. And sadly, this is something that it's not happening at all in, right. in, in the Gaza Strip these days.
1: All right, Ignacio, listen, thank you so much for joining us. I know, again, you were on a very tight schedule, so much going on uh, in that region. And we appreciate all the work that the Committee to Protect Journalists does at cpj.org, I believe, is your website, Ignacio exactly. Miguel Delgado? Thank you, Ignacio, for joining us. Thank you very much, Ray. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to uh, uh, talk with two of our journalists from Israel and Palestine. These are veteran journalists who uh, cover a lot that's going on, very objective, very focused on the facts, and although it's got to be tough. Uh, at times like this, for both sides, uh, Israeli and Palestinian, Mohammed Najib. Uh, he's a freelance journalist from Ramallah. He's been with the uh, New York Times, the Washington Post, and uh, Jane's uh, uh, military uh, um, uh, publication. We also have uh, Andy Friedman, who uh, he was a former op-ed editor at the Jerusalem Post and a former editor at Yedioth Ahronot newspaper Ynet News. I worked with him many years. Um, he's, uh, he's covered Israel and the Palestinian world from the Haram al-Ashara, the Temple Mount to nondescript mosques and synagogues, from the Knesset to the Mukada. Um And now he is the founder of Efrat Debate Workshops, where they have uh, platforms for adolescents and teenagers, to develop logic, argumentation, and listening skills. His website is andyfriedman, A-N-D-Y-E, friedman.com. I'm Ray Hanania. We're going to take our first break. And we'll be right back with our guest right after these messages.
0: Arabnews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at arabnews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. Arabnews.com, news that matters to you.
5: While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash covidvaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
0: Life is a nonprofit charity that's provided humanitarian aid and development to people and communities for over 25 years, regardless of race, color, religion, or cultural background. When disaster occurs here or around the world, Life for Relief and Development rushes in to provide food, medical aid, and shelter to those in need. Please help improve these efforts. Make your tax-deductible donation to LIFE now at lifeusa.org or call 248-424-7493. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on facebook.com forward slash Arab news.
1: And welcome back to the Rehanania show Wednesday, May 19, 2021, talking about the challenges facing journalists in the Israel-Palestine conflict and the latest flare up in East Jerusalem, Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood and in the Gaza Strip. With me are Mohammed Najib, a war correspondent, defense analyst in Ramallah, Palestine, and Andrew Friedman, a longtime uh, veteran uh, Israeli journalist, former op ed editor at the Jerusalem Post, and also later at Yedioth Um, and uh, also the uh, uh, founder of uh, the Efrat Debate Workshops. Andrew, thank you so much for joining. And you know, radio isn't anything if it isn't whatever comes flying at you in every direction. As I'm trying to get the show going, so thank you for joining. <laughs> us. Move over. We want to have you move over. because I having see me. You're there. We, we want to get yeah. your face. There you go. Sorry, I'm in a cramped space. All right, you're not in a yeah. uh, you're not in a bunker or anything, are you? I happen
3: to be in a safe room, but All not right. because of. Not because of that, but because that's where I have my, uh, that's why I have my recording studio.
1: <laughs> and, and and tell us the Israeli side uh, uh, from the journalist perspective of what's happening. Give us well, that perspective, then we'll get Mohammed to talk, and we'll see if we could you sure. know engage this. Go ahead, Andy. Sure.
3: I think from the from a journalist perspective, um, it's not really any different now than in from any other perspective. In other words, if I were uh, in Northern Ireland. I don't have a I don't have a uh, I don't have a horse in that race, <laughs> right. right? And so I can cover it objectively. I can say what I see and and, and leave it at that. Nobody doesn't have a horse in the Israel Palestine race. Right. And as soon as anything happens, you get um, as soon as anything happens, people automatically and instinctively sink back into what they quote unquote, know to be true or what they feel very strong to be true. That's, you know, usually a, our team versus their team mentality, our tribe versus their mentality. Um, and so it's, it's very, very difficult to know what's really going on. I'll give you an example. Um, not from, not from now, but from several years ago, uh, A young Palestinian man who I've known for a long time and was in his teenage years very much a stone throwing, um, perhaps Molotov cocktail throwing young Palestinian from from an Arab village uh, near near Hebron. Um, He was arrested by the Israeli army for for throwing stones. I, I don't know anything a hundred percent because I wasn't with them right but were it to be true at this stage
1: I'd be pretty surprised right <laughs> right um, but we are so we're think, dealing with governments right I mean we're it, even it, if it's the Palestinian or the Israeli absolutely. government and so what happens we're, we're, both sides so what, are promoting stuff go ahead
3: so of course so what happens here is in every case like that um, the army says, it was a terrorist. He was throwing rocks or whatever it is. And don't worry about it. We'll investigate and we'll tell you how 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 certain we are of that. The problem is that the Palestinians, no matter who it is and no matter what happened, they say, "Nah, didn't happen. person was innocent. Right. The army is 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 out to 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 victim. Right. But don't we hear that from both sides? Don't we? No. Really that, well, that's hear that? exactly that's exactly my point. Yeah. When the army says, when the army always says, "No, we got the right guy," and we no, we no, we certainly didn't overreact. And when the Palestinians say, "There's no such thing as a army as an IDF overreaction," right? By, by definition, whatever they do is out of bounds. Is a is right. an overreaction, and so then. It's it's hard to it's hard to know how to report that.
1: And and tell me, because we were talking about the media has been targeted, um, at least, you know, regardless, they've been hit in Gaza, several buildings. We just heard the Committee to Protect Journalists say that wasn't just two big buildings. It's been like maybe a half a dozen or more that have been targeted. What's your take on that? Is Israel's military or is its government trying to target journalists? Centers. I know they're calling ahead of time, yeah. um, I, I but it looks like they're trying to take out the media voice in Gaza.
3: Yeah, I, am I'd be hesitant to go down that road. Um, it, it is true that many Israelis and many, many Israelis of the stripe that populate the current government, for better force, right. <laughs> or worse, right, such as it is. Um, it's, it's certainly true that many Israelis feel. A, an unrepentant hostility from the media. However, I, I find it difficult to. I find it difficult to believe that, that the army is going after the media, and for for a couple of reasons. First of all, it, intentionally. First of all, right. I think the army's got better in inverted quotes, right? Better things to 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 do, but also because. And it goes back to what I was saying before, um, with all due respect to Ignacio, to Ignacio right? And right. I, I've read right. Ignacio's reporting for a long time, um, and he's an excellent reporter. Um, the reality is, though, if the if the building's in question, if they were under the use or, or in the use of Hamas right. uh, as, as rocket launching stations or whatever it is, he... I don't think he'd be able, he'd be free but, to report that. And if he did, he wouldn't be able to go back to Gaza to report anymore. And quite possibly, his news outlet wouldn't be able to report that either.
1: Boy, that's, that's very cynical, Andrew. It makes me feel bad. Let's ask Mohamed Najib. You're in Ramallah um, we have a lot of contacts out there in Gaza. And, you know, I mean, from, I know from your standpoint, this conflict didn't start in Gaza. It started in Sheikh Jarrah with the protests and the violence by the settlers there. Uh, tell us your take on is the media being targeted, do you think, by the Israeli military? Is that your feeling or sense?
2: I think in this conflict, Israel feel uh, the media is not uh, at its side, and uh, for this reason they don't care to help the media. Uh, I think I, I covered the uh, three uh, previous many wars between Hamas and Israel in 2008 and nine, in 2012 and 2014, but didn't uh, witness uh, restrictions on the media uh, like this way. Yesterday I was talking to a Palestinian journalist who was working for the Guardian and the Washington Post in Gaza, and uh, when I asked him about his safety, he said the most important things that we suffer is the internet availability, because uh, there is is destroyed the uh, internet uh, network from the first bombing and the journalists in gaza even cannot do the work they do some of them uh, tries different uh, difficult ways how to get uh, access to the internet which is the basic issue for journalists to do uh, their work uh, other other restrictions are, are problems for example uh, because the israeli restrictions of the covid 19 or the corona uh, many international journalists are trying to come to israel to go to cover this conflict uh, in gaza but they can't today I called by one from the BBC who was in Jordan. He has a British passport. He cannot come to Israel. He will try to come to, through the West Bank. Another one uh, from uh, Al-Ghad TV in London came here and tried to go to Israel. It took him like one week to get a permit to go there. So the, the issue is uh, a, a very difficult. And uh, surely it was started in the uh, Sheikh Jarrah uh, during Ramadan and Damascus gate and the Laksa and uh, the media that time was in the, uh, the winning or showing that uh, in, in favor of the Palestinians that time but when uh, the war erupted between Israel and Hamas in Gaza then all the focus went there and the media has to go there but it was a uh, restriction so for the first nine days no international media were able to cross through air checkpoint to the Gaza Strip or to uh, provide logistics or support their teams working teams inside Gaza besides the other logistics things like there is no internet and uh, 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 safety to move because this time it's not just uh, when they go to the conflict uh, zone, it's uh, they, uh, they are targeting the headquarters. And I uh, you know that the press, uh, um, Joseph Hederman, uh, very uh, chief in Jerusalem. I don't think he will tolerate or accept to has an office in a building that one of Hamas visit, not just to have an uh, office there or a base. And uh, every time they come with uh, different allegations. Sometimes they said it's a uh, operation room. Sometimes they said a uh, rocket launcher. Sometimes they said it's uh, a spying uh, room. Uh, but you know
1: so you think uh, you think that the you you think the idf is targeting the journalists to kind of suppress the coverage a little bit because the violence is all over uh the social media TikTok, facebook twitter do you think they're doing it or do you think they just don't care about who they
2: hit let me ask the question if if i am a victim that hamas used the building i have an office there and they have an office why the IDF should also become a second uh, victim twice for the IDF again? And uh, here also the the foreign journalists were a victim of the IDF deliberately and intentionally when they asked them to film and to uh, photograph the gathering of some uh, IDF uh, uh, tanks and said this is to start the ground uh, uh, military operation of Gaza. They broadcasted that was a trick to uh, yeah. let Hamas uh, fighters go inside the underground tunnels to bomb them later. But that was a bad reputation for the journalists because we found ourselves. We are a part of the IDF propaganda or the trick. This is uh, endanger our life in the yeah. future and uh, lose our credibility. So but if le- Hamas, if Hamas, you misuse or uh, mislead the A B on the Al Jazeera and have a secret office at the building, and that's a victim. You no, know, a victim. You have to warn him. Tell him be careful. There's uh, uh, Hamas using you uh, as a, a shield not to be a victim twice, because I don't think they uh, learn about that and will accept to be in a building that Hamas uses or could be targeted because uh, it has any connection with Hamas.
1: And and Andy, I want to go back to Andy. I, I know you're uh, Israeli, and I've, I've known you for years. You, sure. You've you been a great guy. And these are tough issues and tough questions, and I know you can handle them. Um, sure. do, you re- do you really honestly believe that the Israelis didn't target those buildings, that they didn't think of the media side or they they really believe that the, the would the AP actually operate from a building that Hamas was operating from openly? It, it just didn't seem justified to hit that building. Do you really think it was justified? Oh, no. I don't know. I'm
3: not a, I'm not a military correspondent or, or any, at least anymore. And right. um, it, it goes back to what it goes back to what I said before. Um, I have absolutely no. Sorry that's overstated. The, no I no that's all right. Of, I don't have a lot of confidence in the military's justification and I don't have a lot of confidence in
1: the Palestinian side to get the accusations. So, so we're so not we, you don't have any confidence in the whole reporting from the whole issue. Well, I find it
3: again because I find that I find that Israelis and their supporters or perhaps I should say and our supporters but um, Israelis and their supporters for them the story is absolutely clear small Jewish country attacked by rockets what do you want them to do Right. And from, the, from the Palestinian perspective and for the, for the Palestinians and their supporters it is equally clear occupied country under attack in Jerusalem and in Gaza and other places what do you want them to do
1: but I'll tell you, as a you know, I I'm in uh, in the U.S. I'm Palestinian in the United States, and I right. slam the government all the time here, all the time. And I think that Israelis should be able to slam their government all the time, also. Do Israelis kind of get rounded up in a conflict like this and for, close their eyes to Netanyahu's government? And I'm, I know you're not a political reporter, you know, doing this anymore, but. Do they all do that? Do they just say, hey, you know, this is us against the world? I find that hard to believe that that's how Israelis find themselves in a conflict like this. I think you've got two—there are two separate points to what you
3: were saying. One is the the government piece of it, and one is the media piece of it. Right. Um, I think the—I think all you have to do is read the Israeli press to— to get a very strong sense that the media has absolutely pilloried Netanyahu. <laughs> They've absolutely
1: taken a part, especially in Hebrew. Right. Um, well, he's a he's been under indictment for three cr- criminal acts. But I, I'm talking about the the way the he oversees the military. I mean, for example, policies like censoring. Are you forced to censor if when you write about the, uh, uh foreign policy uh, do you have to submit your stories to the censor it's the an absolutely it's an
3: absolutely ridiculous antiquated system the, the simple answer to your question is yes i do wow um, and you know a reporter for the bbc or for the abc or for cnn or anybody else they agree. all they no no no, no. well uh, officially they do right excuse me except you
1: learn how to navigate around it is what you're saying
3: and and it's it's antiquated because there's no such thing as censorship anymore. Right. You said it yourself a second ago. There's Facebook and
1: Twitter and TikTok and a million different things. There's no there's no censorship, right. so it's pointless. Let, let me just go to Mohammed and and ask him when when you write something, do you have to get it uh, reviewed before it can be published or submitted to your uh, news media, Mohammed
2: by the by the Israelis or by the Western
1: yes. Authority. By the, well, that's true. I mean, are the Palestinian Authority also censoring you? Are the Israelis censoring you? Are the Palestinian Authority censoring you?
2: Uh, as a defense and security correspondent, I'm covering the Israeli security. I do care myself that uh, my role is to report, not to reveal secrets or endanger so you, uh, others. So, so you I,
1: self-center. You self-censor. Uh,
2: when when I talk to IDF uh, officials and security officials and uh, write the story I sometimes review the point to make sure that there is no security that will endanger the security because it's not the job of the journalist to endanger the country's security or to reveal something they don't want to explain to me uh, the situation so uh, I don't think there's a big problem in that there is uh, um it's going smoothly and there is uh, no that's a a problem but uh, with the Palestinian Authority Uh, the police authority is weak and this is an advantage of the journalists but they uh, wish to have what they call self-censorship for example if after you publish if they didn't like it and they suffer because of that they can punish you in different ways then when they punish you other journalists will get uh, learn the lesson and not to do the same uh, in that time but also they uh, control the information they don't let us know what's going on we uh, have a, a lot of difficulties to access to the information i can access the information from the israeli side the security uh, is security more than access to the for the palestinian because uh, here they don't tell it you know just what they want sometimes the maximum what we get is to follow a tweet from Hassan sheikh on the twitter and to know what's going on that uh, biden called abbas this is the way that how we learned about it so there is no to call them and ask them or to send the whatsapp message as we do with the idf uh, spokesperson to ask them what's going on and they get uh, back to us or arrange or response or put us on the list to update it or uh, a briefing all the time so i think israel is uh, smarter in handling and dealing with the foreign media than the palestinian party yeah
1: we we need four hours to do this we got to take a quick break and i want to come back to our uh, journalist guests uh, andy friedman uh, israeli uh, journalist and Mohammed najib palestinian journalist Uh, just talking about the media aspect of this uh, terrible conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. I'm Ray Hanania. We're going to take a break, and we will be right back right after these messages.
6: ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Wearing a mask is more than protection, it's a bridge to better days. The path back to celebrations with family. Nights out on the town with friends. Game days with your favorite sports teams. And the thrill of live concerts. But until we can all get the COVID-19 vaccine and build community immunity, which will take time, we all need to continue to stay careful because Michigan's recovery is depending on you, and so are your family, friends, and neighbors. So even after you're vaccinated, wear a mask, avoid large gatherings, and social distance. One day in the near future, we will all be able to put this pandemic behind us. But until then, spread hope, not COVID. Learn more at michigan.gov coronavirus. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
0: Guidelines and is open every day, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Have an amazing experience today at Ishtar Restaurant, 3625 15 Mile Road, Sterling Heights.
3: Are your hands feeling numb? Do you feel pain opening up a jar, turning a key? Are you noticing that your elbow and your shoulder are becoming stiff? Or were you recently injured in your arm? Hello, I'm Dr. Albajit Katranji. And at the Katranji Hand Center, which just recently opened down the street from the Somerset Mall, we can provide you with the latest in hand, wrist, elbow, and shoulder care. Visit us at www.katranjihandcenter.com to learn the latest techniques that we have
0: to offer you, and I look forward to taking care of you. Visit us in Troy at 1565 West Big Beaver Road, Building F, or call Katranji Hand Center for an appointment at 248-869-4263. That's 248-869-4263. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on facebook.com forward slash Arab News.
1: Normally streaming live at uh, facebook.com Arab News, but right now streaming live at facebook.com slash RG yeah, But we will be on the Arab News on the Arab News Facebook page. Uh, I am Ray Hananiya. I got two great guests and we only have a few minutes. So I want to ask one big question of both our guests, Andy uh, Friedman, uh, an Israeli journalist and Mohammed Najib. A Palestinian journalist. I, I know how tough it is for both of you. You're in the middle of the conflict. You got pressures from all sides. Um, is it possible to be journalists in this conflict as Israelis and Palestinians? And can you say something critical of your side? Let me start with Andy. What? How do you respond to that question? That is a fabulous question. That is a fantastic
3: question. Can is you know can Israelis accurately cover this? <laughs> and can Palestinians cover this? Right. And the, the sim- my simple answer to that is, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know because of everything that we've, uh, that we've said up to now. Um,
1: What's the worst you could say about Israel? And I'll ask Mohammed the same thing about Israel's uh, military approach to the media. Oh, it, th-
3: Israel in general... Um, I think, feels under attack from the international media. Um, I I wouldn't go so far as to put it that most of Israel feels that the media is an enemy. There, there's a small section of Jewish Israel that does think that. Um,
1: and unfortunately, you've seen... But you can't criticize that. them. You can't.
3: No, it's not well, only Will they that. shut down
1: your internet and censor you if... With- if you so it will not said, they will not ju- right.
3: shut down my internet or censor me. Right. Um, I, think, I think Israel has... Be- I think the military for Israel has become a... Israel's come too quick, become too quick to turn to the military um, and too reticent to employ a sober-headed diplomacy. Um, I've not... I'm not sure that I've said that before, right? this time i this time i I think that that's true. and um and I think armies, as armies will be, they don't like criticism. Um, yeah. and I think Israel would do itself a favor, not just now. I, I think in general, I think Israel would do itself a favor um to allow to have an independent uh, review review process. Um, for complaints made made against the military, um, right. I don't know if that's the absolute worst
1: thing that I could say, but it's certainly that's critical. Uh, it's, it's, I, I think, think that's that's relevant, know, that's fair, and Mohammed now. And Mohammed, what what what's yes. the toughest thing you can say about uh, um, the way the military, the Israeli and the Palestinians, are treating the the media there in this conflict? Are you under pressure yeah. from the Palestinians to be pro- I, pro-Arab?
2: I can say after these uh, those years in journalism, the most difficult job to be here is to be a journalist, because according to the Palestinian culture and somehow to the Israeli culture, they ask, you are pro us or against us? And I tell them, why I should be classified or defined to be with you or against you? I am not against you. I am not bro, anyone and against anyone. So all the time, the Palestinians expect you to to be like the airspace person. The Israelis also accused you before. One of the uh, times I did a story about settlers and I contacted a settler to talk to his boss uh, in the West Bank. And since he saw my name is Mohammed, it was a surprise for him. And he told me, please be honest. And I asked him, why you predicted that I will not be be dishonest before we start? Did you read my reports? Did you you approve that I am? So it's like start by uh, judge you by the name, not by it. one of the times I went with the IDIF, senior IDF commander, and he saw on my uh, chest, the name is Muhammad. So he knows that I am. He want to know if am I Israeli Arab or he didn't imagine that I am from the West Bank, from Ramallah. He thought maybe I am from Israel Arab. Then he asked me, "Where did your parents born to know if where, <laughs> from where are you?" <laughs> so everyone has his own to ask uh, right. why uh, you are uh, should bias and judge. Uh, but I say that after those years. Uh, it's become more acceptable, and uh, today I cover the Israeli security and the defense, uh, Israeli defense more easier. And the Israelis also understand better than before that as an independent journalist, professional journalist, you can talk to Hamas, you can talk to whoever you want. You can go to Iraq, wherever. I don't feel any troubles because of that, but it takes it time to make sure that you are a professional journalist that you are aware not to threat the security, and I have no intention and ever have an intention to threaten the Israeli security. So when they conclude that you are a professional and will not form any threat on the security, they handle you as right. any other international uh, journalist.
1: Mohamed, uh, can
3: I add one small? Go ahead, Andy, so Andy so go ahead, to, real quick. Uh, Mohammed, I've had the exact same experience in Hevron and in Beit El, uh, where the very fact that I was a journalist covering a story um, I've asked i've I've been asked regardless of my regardless of the kippah that I wear um, I've been asked multiple times, just please can I trust you to be honest? Can I trust you to 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 accurately report what I say to you? yeah, um, yeah. and that at least that small piece of the puzzle I don't think is related to Muhammad's being Palestinian or me being Israeli uh, or anybody else. I think it's related to a an overall feeling that the media yeah. is against us in, in, in parts of Israel and maybe maybe even any parts of Israel. I
1: have to say I do not envy either of you to be in the situations you are at considering the pressures that you both feel. I want to thank Mohammed Najib for joining me, Andy Friedman. Thank you guys for joining me this morning. I wish we had four hours because this discussion really deserves so much more time. We will talk again, all right, you guys? Excellent.
3: Thank okay. you so much, Ray. Thank you both.
1: I appreciate it. I'm Ray Hanania. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we got Tarek Ali Ahmed, who's going to talk about a new breaking story in Washington, D.C. It's really kind of shocking, and it's directly about the media. I'm Ray Hanania. We'll be right back right after these messages.
0: Arabnews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at Arabnews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. Arabnews.com, news that matters to you. Ziad brand, quality products from our family to yours. 28841 Orchard Lake Road in Farmington Hills. Call 248 987 4985.
6: When you're looking for the best in optical care, Dr. Imad Nakash is your doctor to see. With years of experience and thousands of successful procedures performed, you can trust your eyes to Dr. Imad Nikash. See Dr. Imad Nikash and his professional staff for your eye care needs. There's two locations to serve you. In Hazel Park, call 248-336-3937. 248-336-3937. In Rochester Hills, call 248-299-3937. That's 248-299-3937.
0: The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio, and we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab news.
1: And welcome back. I'm Ray Hanania with my guest. Uh, T- what a great friend. I love reading his stories. Tarek Ali Ahmed. T- Tarek, thank you for joining me this morning. Thank you Ray for having me and thank it- you for your kind words. Oh, that's right. Can you imagine being an Israeli or Palestinian journalist trying to cover this terrible conflict going on and the pressures that are on both of them, uh, I feel I know them both. They're both good people, but I know that they're both under intense pressure to kind of side with the different sides. It's hard to get right at the accuracy, but I'll tell you, you hit an accurate story that really, wow, this is a wow story. I saw it in the Arab news newspaper this morning. Uh, tell us about this, uh, the inconvenient truth of Jeff Bezos. What 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 is that all about? It remind us what happened.
7: Well, basically, Ray, uh, as you know, um, back in 2020, news about a, uh, well, back in 2019, there was uh, news about Jeff Bezos' uh, extramarital affair with Lauren Sanchez that came out. And soon afterwards, Jeff Bezos actually blamed uh, Saudi Arabia and the uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman for this uh, this leak to uh, the National Enquirer. Basically, he blamed in this huge uh, Blog post, he blamed Saudi Arabia for uh, for targeting him and because of his uh, his um, uh, his stake and, in the
1: Washington Post. And that's because, right? I was yeah. just going to say, Bezos is the owner of the Washington Post. The Washington Post has been hammering Saudi Arabia for several years for a number of issues. Um, and all of a sudden, this pops up, and he slams the Saudis and says they're responsible for the hacking his phone. What is does he just say it because he's angry? I mean, what, did he have any proof? Obviously not, right?
7: Well, yeah. Basically, what they did is 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 Bezos blamed Saudis for the, for leaking the 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 news of his extramarital affair to the National Enquirer, but uh, over which the Saudis obviously have vehemently declined, and they said that this is actually absurd. Right. Even AMI, which is the owner of the National Enquirer, declined. Uh, and said that only there's only one sole source to this news, and that is Michael Sanchez, who happens to be uh, Lawrence Sanchez, aka uh, Jeff Bezos's uh, girlfriend, uh, her brother. So, uh, so the Saudis had
1: no part so, to play with it. So Bezos's girlfriend. I mean, first of all, he's having an extramarital affair. He's married, right? He's having this affair, and the best way to distract from an affair is to create a controversy and blame it on the Saudis, who your newspaper has been beat. you know, the Washington Post, has been beating up for three years. So nobody focuses on the extramarital affair. But we discover, right, this week, it comes out what? That, in fact, it's the brother of the girl that he was having an affair with? What did he do?
7: Well, basically, the news that that her brother was involved has always been— been bubbling up, but uh, the fact is that last week, in a in a tell-all book, Brad Stone, author Brad Stone, wrote a book on uh, on uh, Jeff Bezos, and in it he confirms longstanding alleg- the longstanding truth that the Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia played no part in uh, the leak, and so after that we saw uh, uh, these flurry of, of articles. That usually would be against and vindicate. Uh, sorry, going against Saudi Arabia. No, none of these big newspapers, including the Bezos-owned Washington Post, actually retracted or oh. said, corrected the claims before that said that actually Saudi Arabia had no it, uh, no part to play.
1: I want to use a a gesture that a friend of mine had made. An Oprah Winfrey question: Are you kidding me? That nobody in the U.S. media wrote this story. Just yep. the Arab News and, the mid- and some, but just the Arab News?
7: Well, no, there's a, there are a handful
1: of, of, of Western media
7: outlets that wrote it, including the Daily Mail and uh, the New York Post. But as not well the, as the Washington Post, Journal. right? But not the Washington Post, nor the New York Times, nor the Guardian, which actually first broke the story uh, of, the, of the leak. So... As you can see, there is some form of of Western media bias when it comes to covering Saudi Arabia specifically.
1: Does it appear like it was – I mean, the fact that they won't report on what the actual truth is of a story that was so politically charged a year and a half ago, does that suggest maybe they just only cared about using this as a political uh, aspect? Did you get that sense or response from anybody that this is all about politics, not truth? to the Washington Post and the U.S. media?
7: Well, yes, actually, one of uh, one of the people that I interviewed, uh, a communications consultant, actually stated how Western media has, we've seen this time and again where this Western media has had this inherent bias when it comes to covering the Middle East and specifically when covering Saudi Arabia. Um, they, they, this happens either by, by blatantly headlines stating so or the fact that um, something called as a U.S. media watchdog all sides told me that this is a bias by omission where uh, these what these news sites rather than take the time to tell all sides of the story in the sense of showcasing every single follow-up that happens afterwards just decide not to uh, not to post anything and with that uh, just wow. keep the used as it was before
1: yeah wow that's that's amazing so here we have the washington post leading the charge throwing mud just stopping they just haven't they haven't even till this moment right they haven't reported it
7: yes exactly and don't get me wrong now uh, i want to say that washington post is still one of the top news websites uh, in the in the world to be honest right. with regards to its coverage but when when it comes to things like these where you have a conflict of interest where the owner is the owner of the newspaper itself is part of this scandal and it comes out that he used his role actually to to twist and turn his own narrative and blame a foreign country for something that it had nothing to do with is something that goes against the, the codes of conduct that even the Washington Post um, pushes on to other news outlets and pushes on to journalists itself.
1: Did you talk So it's worth at, talking about. Did you talk to anybody at the Washington Post or the union, the uh, reporters' union there? When no, they talk, I have
7: not. They they wouldn't. No one got back to me, actually. Of
1: course not. But I'll tell you what, if it were to promote Jeff Bezos' Amazon uh, business, with the wealthiest person in the U.S., one of the most influential papers, it would seem a uh, reflection of strength would be the ability to report on your flaws. And yet all we've seen in the media here is uh, it's easy to report on the easy stuff and not so easy to report about the difficult stuff. Um, what's the follow-up on this? Is there anything more that we're waiting for on, uh, in this story, or is this all of it that's come out? Is there another shoe that's gonna drop, you think?
7: Well, it could
1: possibly happen, because uh, the, for now, the, only an excerpt of Brad
7: Stone's tell-all book has, has been released. Uh, that was released to the Bloomberg uh, Businessweek. So the, the actual book might, con- might contain more, we also have seen uh, Saudi State Minister of uh, Foreign Affairs, State Minister for Foreign Affairs Adil jubeir uh, calling and demanding a formal apology from uh, from the U. Uh, from Jeff Bezos for, for conjuring up this uh, this it, narrative.
1: He but deserves we're yet it from the it. media. What about the New York Times? Uh, you'd think the New York Times would jump on it. Did they write anything at all? No, no one has
7: The last articles that we've, after a two-week monitoring period by Arab News and my team, we've actually come up with only, uh, the only articles from the New York Times and the Washington Post regarding this specific story were from 2020, January 2020.
1: Wow, that was the last time. It must have been obvious (laughs) after they reported it that there was something wrong with all this. I wonder if we can get back to the real news that Jeff Bezos was having an affair and maybe interview her. Have you tried to reach out to her or the, or no. the brother?
7: <laughs> we, uh, we we wanted to focus solely on the fact that this is a media angle. Right. We, we have nothing right. against Jeff Bezos. I we understand. have nothing against Lauren Sanchez, nor the Washington Post, nor anyone. We're just stating the fact that this is news at the end of the day. And if you're going to carry news, you carry it from the start to the end. You don't just carry it halfway through and then just decide not to, to end it because it just happened to go against your your owner.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a fascinating story. And I know that you just have a story right there now on the ArabNews.com. If people want to read it, it's titled, How the Inconvenient Truth of Jeff Bezos' Fabricated Phone Leak Story Revealed a Deeply Rooted Media Bias Against Saudi Arabia. And, I, and even though, uh, you know, we're Saudi, but the point is that, it, if they can do this with Saudi Arabia, they can. the Washington Post could do this with anybody. The American media can do this with any topic. Uh, they could do it with the Israel-Palestine conflict topic. If they don't like the way uh, uh, the story is going, they can just kind of say, eh, don't write that, or soften it, or marginalize it, or— you know, let's not be too tough when we push that. Any final thoughts, Tarek, on this? And again, I, I was telling our last guest, I wish we had four hours of a radio show because this story deserves hours. There's got to be so much good stuff. Any final thoughts? I just wanted to say that basically, um, again, uh,
7: it's really up to the media to, to really showcase things the way they are. And if we're not doing that, then we really aren't doing our jobs. And again, we, we're, we're all on the same team. We're all here to report the news as it is, and it's it's it's. We have nothing against anyone, really. We're just showcasing right. the fact that a bias exists, and we need to understand that. Our readers need to understand that a bias exists that people need to really look out for.
1: I enjoy your uh, reporting, and I always uh, I know I can rely on. It. It's very accurate. It's very hard hitting. It's very tough, but it's always right to the factual point. Tarek, thank you so much. Tariq Ali Ahmed, and uh, he's with the Arab News. You run a special division over there, don't you, from the London Bureau?
7: Thanks, Ray. Yes, I do, actually. I'm heading currently heading the Arab News Research and Studies Unit, which was launched uh, late last year, where we host a bunch of webinars. We publish research reports. We engage in panels as well as deep dives. It's really one of the growing uh, Arab News sections that I really encourage our readers to, to visit.
1: All right, we'll follow at ArabNews.com. I'm Ray Hanania. We are at the end of the show. I want to say thank you to everybody. Um, And uh, we'll be back next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. CST. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.